0: What's going on, everyone? This is the GoLong Podcast. Thank you so much for making this a part of your day. I greatly appreciate it. Riding solo here to wrap up the draft. A lot to get into, Uh, but first off, a huge thank you to everybody who has been reading the coverage at GoLongTD.com, subscribing if you're new to the site, even new to the podcast. Man, I am just so humbled and gracious I don't exist. Go long doesn't exist without your support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It has been unbelievable to just see our community grow, uh, through the draft. So man, where do you even start? Uh, Will Levis, right? It's got to start with Will Levis. This is what the NFL wants. They want the drama. They want the, uh, the protagonist, the antagonist. It's great TV. And yeah, he was there in that green room, uh, the entire round one. He left. And said, I believe he said, as he was walking into his house after landing from the airport. That's when he found out that the Tennessee Titans took him 33rd overall. So not how Will Levis expected it all to go. When you you buy the nice suit and you've got your family there and your girlfriend and yeah, you, you don't want to go viral for these reasons. I'll say this: this is probably the best possible situation for Will Levis. Right, whether the Titans are going to take you in the first round or the second round. They did the right thing. They took Peter Skronsky first round. This is a player, a lineman, best lineman in the draft, who fits exactly what you want to be as a team. Hard-nosed, tough. They want to win with Derrick Henry, with defense. They just paid Jeffrey Simmons all that money. They got to get get things figured out with Kevin Byer. They asked him to take a pay cut, rightfully so. He said hell no in so many ways. But, hey, they got a core group of veterans that are going to keep them competitive now while also trying to win in the future. We saw this in Buffalo year one of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean when they ended the drought at 17 years. They made the playoffs, yet they still were looking to the future, still trying to rebuild. You don't have to completely tear it down like Hugh Jackson and those Cleveland Browns did. right? When you do that, when you win one game in two years, you poison the building to a degree that can be impossible to recover from or at least take a half-decade minimum to recover from. The Browns are doing that right now. So the Titans with Rand Carthon, their new general manager, they're trying to be competitive, win now. They can do it in the AFC South. I mean, they, they still have some players while well, being flexible and, and get out of some contracts and look to the future. You know, Taylor Luan is no longer there. Ryan Tannehill beyond this season. They can move on from him. You, you, you give Will Levis a chance to sit and wait and learn, play a little bit this year. Maybe he is your franchise quarterback, and maybe you got him in the second round. I don't know. I mean, this can go really any direction. Uh, this is a player we were told was in discussion at number one, at number four, the report saying that the Colts liked him more than Anthony Richardson, who they ended up taking. Well, ended up not being true. We'll get into Will Levis here in a second, but I do think this is a good spot for him in theory because of the way the Titans want to play. Right? There's not going to be put too much put on his shoulders. He's not going to have to go out there four or five wide and throw 50 times. No, they don't want to throw the ball a lot. They're not going to be able to throw the ball a lot. There's not many receivers on this team. They're going to try to run to win, and they've got one of the best head coaches in football, Mike Vrabel. I think Mike Vrabel's being honest when he says – Look, Ryan Tannehill is the number one. Malik Willis is the number two. Will Levis is the number three. And whatever happens from there, it's up to them. It's genuinely going to be open. I wouldn't declare it an open competition. Tannehill is the veteran. Tannehill is what he is at this point. He'll he'll probably win that job just because of his knowledge of the offense and his game. Uh, But he's making it clear they're thinking about the future, and that future may contain – the quarterback from Kentucky. So Will Levis, what is he? Who is he? Why did he fall? Well, he did have injuries last season. He wasn't as good last season. Um, You can look at that two ways, right? Maybe he should have been able to overcome the players that he lost around him and the coaches that changed, and he should elevate the talent. Or maybe it's admirable that he's shooting his foot up, shooting his shoulder up, getting... You know, filling his body with toradol just to play on. Maybe that's a sign of toughness. I don't really know where I fall. I mean, it is indisputable that he wasn't the same quarterback in 2022 that he was in 2021. Also indisputable that he couldn't beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State. It's not a good look. So what did the scouts exactly say about Will Levis? Let's pull up Bob McGinn's draft series, which, if you haven't subscribed, worth the subscription alone, just unbelievable stuff from all the execs, all the scouts across the NFL. Quote, there was a big drop-off from one year to the next. What happened? He looked robotic, a completely different guy. Why on earth he's doing all this poster boy muscle-bound stuff, I have no idea. I know he's fallen off and people have gotten cold feet on him, but I still think there's a chance. Thing I don't like, very tight-wound muscle-bound now, and it's only gotten worse. He's a little tight, a little bit tight mentally. He can't dial it back. You know, side note, I I find that really interesting at the quarterback position. Yeah, and he is built like a bodybuilder. And You saw him at the combine, and he's talking about his cannon, and we we think that's a good thing, right? If you want to have a strong arm, you probably need to do those tricep extensions in the weight room and bicep curls in the weight room. Not exactly. I mean, I've talked to Patrick Mahomes' teammates at Texas Tech. They used to relentlessly make fun of him in the locker room for being chubby and having a dad bod and being fat. And they'd tell him to go eat another cheeseburger. Really? I mean, th- these are guys he played with, and and he'd laugh it off and whatever. Patrick Mahomes is one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the NFL, and I and I use that term athletic in terms of what you need at that position, avoiding the rush, footwork. You know, get, aligning your body in a way that you want in a split second to throw at all these crazy arm angles. I mean, this is a quarterback who played basketball, played baseball, golfs, does everything. Um, he, he, if, if there was a sport, he played it growing up, ping pong, uh, throwing hatchets with his buddies at the hatchet and hops. So he's, he's unbelievably competitive in any sport. And I think just doing a little bit of everything allowed Patrick Mahomes to just do anything he wants on the football field and do stuff we've never seen before. You don't need to live in a weight room to be a good quarterback. So I think that's criticism from that scout is, is probably spot on. Okay. Uh, This is also from the scout last year. Liam Cohen was the coordinator and Liam was his reason to come to Kentucky. So Cohen goes to the Rams and they bring in rich Scangarello who has had like 18 jobs in 18 years by November. Mark Stoops fired Scangarello. After one season, when you have the number one player in the draft, the line fell apart in front of him, and they had one decent receiver. Every team was going after him. He was shooting his shoulder up, shooting his foot to play. He's a 1980s quarterback, reminds me of Phil Simms or Troy Aikman. Another scout cited the strong arm, but said that teammates like him, and, and did say teammates like him, but added that he's spoiled and entitled. And arrogant. So those are characteristics that are going to show up in a meeting with an NFL team. And I'm sure that this had to have been a point of separation between Will Levis and, and Anthony Richardson. How could it not? I mean, when you're making a decision fourth overall and you're the Indianapolis Colts, you're handing your franchise to somebody. Yeah, maybe Will Levis put up better numbers at Kentucky, which I got right here. Yeah, had a career pass rating in 96, ran for 740 yards, 17 touchdowns, uh played more games, started more games, proved it on the field. Anthony Richardson, it was more sporadic, like we've talked about many times over. But you you make that decision, you're going to have to factor in personality. And the Colts aren't going to come out and bash Will Levis, but I I would have to think that they saw something in Richardson that they didn't see in Levis in terms of how is this quarterback going to lead a team, rally guys. That's going to hang over Will Levis until he proves it wrong. So. We'll see. He's going to have a chance in Tennessee. Always kind of like what Tennessee's doing under Mike Vrabel. I'm not going to count that team out yet and say they're dead. I do think, though, when you look in that division, Anthony Richardson with Indianapolis, Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville, C.J. Stroud with Houston. Tennessee's going to have to figure out a a plan at quarterback. Um, They kind of hedged their bets with Marcus Mariota. By bringing in Tannehill Chief, it worked out. It really worked out. I mean, he had the best passer in the NFL for, what, like a year and a half stretch? Took him to the AFC Championship game, made the playoffs. Um, but now Arthur Smith is not the OC. He's in Atlanta. You've lost A.J. Brown. The talent around him isn't what it was. And, and now you have a guy, Will Levis, who may be the replacement. We'll see if he takes advantage of the opportunity. All right, elsewhere, something that we can speak with. A little more uh, decisiveness on, I guess, it would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers had themselves a really good draft. Uh, you get you get a tackle for Kenny Pickett in the first round. I mean, obviously, such a position of need. Broderick Jones out of Georgia, 14th overall, and then Joey Porter. You have the you know the lineage. Obviously, his dad, one of your best pass rushers in recent memory. Uh, Keanu Benton at nose tackle, Darnell Washington, tight end. A lot of value picks all over the place. You know, even getting Nick Herbig at, what, 73 overall? Okay, he has short arms, not ideal. Maybe that is a fatal flaw. I'm not sure. All I know is he he was a dominant defensive player at times at Wisconsin, and that's what we see out of Pittsburgh all the time. They just take these highly productive guys out of college, find a way to get them in their system, coach them up the way they want, and they perform. So, I mean, and also Benton, Boy, if if you want to learn from somebody on the defensive line, you can can pick a lot worse people than Cameron Hayward. And oh, by the way, you're welcoming back the best player in football, TJ Watt, who can just absolutely take over a game at any moment at a position. You very rarely ever see players just win you games single-handedly. Off the edge, T.J. Watt is liable to – I love Joe Burrow's breakdown when he was talking about T.J. Watt and said he he changes your drop back. Like You have to think about how you're taking that three-step drop and releasing the ball because he times it up. How many players on the defensive line outside of his brother J.J., I guess, in his prime can just time up a quick throw? I mean, th- th- this is the antidote that you need on the defensive line for all of these quarterbacks who've gotten so good at the quick release, like Tom Brady, Joe Burrow. You know, taking that quick drop, getting the ball out to to, to mitigate the pass rush. That's that's why you, these guys are so successful, and they don't get sacked like they could because they're just getting rid of the ball that quickly, making that decision that quickly. Well, if you know if you know where that ball is going, and you're TJ Watt, and you time it up. You could bat that ball down. You could pick it off. You're, you're still going to wreck a game. So, yeah, they have to keep him healthy. They need T.J. Watt in full. And then Kenny Pickett, it always comes down to the quarterback. Maybe they did wait a year too long moving on to Ben Roethlisberger. And maybe they chose the wrong draft to find their heir apparent. He sure as hell looked a lot better than people expected. And it was easy to kind of sleep on the Steelers because they lost early. And Trubisky didn't pan out. But when Pickett got acclimated and got comfortable, you saw the four game-winning drives, I believe three fourth-quarter comebacks. That is sticky. That is something I think that can last. That's not just an anomaly when a player is making big plays late in games like Kenny Pickett was. Uh, he, he was starting to get the most out of George Pickens. You're, you're going to need a big step out of him. Hey, you add a highly motivated Allen Robinson, uh, did not work out for him at all with the Los Angeles Rams. He's going to have a lot to prove. He passes physical. That trade went through. And Deontay Johnson, man, fans are, are riding this guy often for good reason for the drops. Uh, and you did pay him a lot of money, but there's still a lot of talent there. I think that the, the Steelers are positioned to have a chance, a real chance in the AFC, despite not having a Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Burrow, a Lamar Jackson, because Pickett's only going to be better, but number one, Mike Tomlin knows how to play these quarterbacks. He's done it his whole career, and he knows how to coach up corners so well To in, in an NFL where you, you you can't grab and clutch, you can barely do anything out on an island. He has managed the new NFL as well as anybody in terms of the nitty-gritty coaching of fundamentals. In big picture, nobody has a better sense of a locker room than Mike Tomlin. So I, I think that he is going to have this team in position to compete in big-time moments against big-time quarterbacks, and if that offense can get up to speed, a big if, they've got a shot to make the playoffs and, and, and be competitive in that division. Absolutely. The best draft has to be the Seattle Seahawks. They didn't get Anthony Richardson. We'll never know if they really wanted Anthony Richardson, but what a win for Geno Smith, right? You win comeback player of the year. You completely resurrect your career, and what did the Seahawks do? They complete, completely continue to reload, reload, reload all around you. Jackson Smith and Jigba, at 20 overall. You put him in with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. His skill set in the slot, that seemed to be perfect. Easy to forget how good Smith and Jigba was at Ohio State. You know, Before his injury last year, I believe, what, 20, 20, 20 he had like 1,600 yards. I think in this offense, that's that he's gonna be a perfect weapon in there. Uh Devin Witherspoon, the scouts' favorite player in this entire draft. Just a dog as described by Scouts, a great football personality, playmaker, tough, gets in your face, seems like a guy Pete Carroll would want. And then even in the later rounds, I mean, Derek Hall's an edge rusher, 37 overall. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot to like there. You get the running back out of UCLA. I, I, hey, Seattle's right on the cusp in the NFC in and in a wide open NFC. It's hard not to like what they're building. And I wrote about it at the, at, at golongtd.com, but the Baltimore Ravens, I think they're right there with Seattle in terms of having the best weekend. Th- this is a team we thought might be moving on from Lamar Jackson and completely starting over and willfully hurling themselves into quarterback purgatory. Honestly, that's why I was saying, just give him whatever he wants. The fear of that alone. When you, you you did the hard work, you found the guy. Lamar Jackson is the face of your team, your city. Just pay him whatever he wants. If he's eating up a fifth-year cap, so be it. If he gets hurt, so be it. Give me five years of that versus five years of an unknown. Well, this is why compromises are a beautiful thing. Eric DaCosta, general manager, John Harbaugh, head coach, you've really got to give them so much credit. And we've been critical. You got to give them credit for being patient. They took a lot of bullets. They took a trade demand request from Lamar Jackson. They waited and waited and waited. Lamar Jackson, you have to give him a ton of credit, right? It'd be really easy for, for this relationship to, to go past the point of no return. He doesn't have an agent. He's hearing all of his flaws straight from the horse's mouth. His own bosses are telling him, this is why we don't think you deserve this amount of money. Man, and today's athlete, this generation Z athlete that is uh, surrounded by yes men and yes women and coddled most of their life, they can't handle that kind of conversation, right? They don't have people in their lives telling them what they can't do well. Lamar was hearing that with tens, hundreds of millions of dollars on the line. He's going through this solo, with his mom, of course. So you give him credit. He caught a lot of hell for not having an agent. Well, here's what not having an agent got him. He got him the richest contract in the NFL, being the highest paid player. Now, Jalen Hurts is to thank as well. <laughs> right a week after Jalen Hurts signs his deal with Philadelphia, Lamar Jackson gets a little bit more. That's how these contracts used to work. Before Jimmy Haslam and the Cleveland Browns kind of screwed everything up with that guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson. But I think that both sides here deserve so much credit for kind of meeting in the middle. You very rarely see that in in life, in pro sports. It's it's hard for people to compromise. And I I thought that both sides, particularly Lamar, was so dug in that it wouldn't get to this point. They were able to, and credit to Baltimore for simultaneously, as these contract talks were stalling and running into a brick wall and going nowhere, they were building a completely new offense. Out is Greg Roman. In is Todd Munkin in as Odell Beckham Jr., returning as Rashad Bateman. Zay Flowers, 22nd overall. best Maybe the best slot receiver in this draft, we'll see. Uh, would seem to be exactly what Baltimore needs, right? Somebody in that short-to-intermediate game taking your layups. They, they have to take some off of Mark Andrews' plate. You can't throw to your tight end uh as much as they've been thrown to their tight end, as much as we all love the position. They need more out of the wide receiver position. And I'm going to take Willie Snead's word for it. You heard him here on the podcast a year ago. The Q&A is up on the site as well. He said that veteran wide receivers did not want to go to Baltimore because of the elementary, as Steve Smith put it on NFL Network, passing game. That is absolutely true. It's simple. Night and day from what he had himself with John Gruden in Vegas, Sean Payton in New Orleans. Um, Not complex. He's not scheming receivers open. And you know, we heard the same thing here in Buffalo. As, as smart as he is with the run game, Greg Roman is innovative and cutting edge. And, you know, he'll blow your mind with everything you can do at the line of scrimmage. Very simplistic down the field. In in 2023, you need a downfield passing attack. That's not to say Lamar Jackson is absolutely flawless as a passer. He's not, there were games. He missed players. Right. That Cleveland primetime game comes to mind a couple of years ago. Um, I should say, was it the second one? Because the one, the one he was incredible as a runner. Uh, but yeah, there's been moments where it just hasn't always been there as a passer. But I think I've always thought he was a better, more accurate and a better passer than he ever got credit for. With a, a better scheme, with better position players, they have a legitimate chance now to stay squarely in that Super Bowl conversation. I can't wait to see the AFC North. I mean, holy hell. Between the Ravens getting Lamar back and changing up their offense with the new, with the new offensive coordinator, new weapons. Joe Burrow is still Joe Burrow and they still have Jamar Chase and T Higgins. And now they've got Orlando Brown. Cincinnati's not going anywhere. We just talked about Pittsburgh. You know, the Browns, the perpetual doormat in this division, they had a really solid offseason too. I think we called it the meat and potato signings, right? Dalvin Tomlinson, Juan Thornhill. They they made some really good moves on the defensive side of the ball, plugged a lot of holes. So they weren't going to be able to plug in the draft because they lost that capital. Uh, the AFC North is going to be a lot of fun. I you know we all got hyped up about the AFC West last year because of uh, the Russell Wilson trade and all the new pass rushers, right? Vegas, Chandler Jones. I feel like this is a little more real in the AFC North because we've seen it. Like we've seen these teams beat the hell out of each other. It's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, we'll get into Buffalo Bills draft with Mona soon. Uh we'll get into the Packers draft a little deeper too. Loved it. Love the double tight ends on day two. Uh they took some flyers on day three that could work out. Brian Gudikins again, gambling on right, height, weight. Short shuttles, 40s, just physical attributes and, and the trust that his coaching staff can get these guys ready for the NFL. I I love the gambles. We'll see how those work out. But, um, man, a fun draft, and I cannot thank everybody out there enough for hanging out with us. We will catch you very soon.